Brian Barnett is just a regular guy. He's not a doctor. He has no legal license in any field of mental or emotional health. Brian Barnett merely shares the insights he's gained from his personal experiences for anybody who may choose to use such information as he or she personally chooses, while accepting full responsibility for his or her own individual thoughts, feelings, behaviors, and actions. Brian Barnett assumes no responsibility whatsoever for anybody's individual choice to expose himself or herself to any information that Brian Barnett shares. And by listening to this program, you're acknowledging that you, and only you, are responsible for your own thoughts, feelings, and actions. Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome to The Last Symptom Podcast. I'm Brian Barnett, the creator and host of The Last Symptom. So nice to have you here. This week, we're going to be talking about feelings, your feelings always mattering. And uh, we'll be talking about feelings in a couple of other different ways. Uh, And we'll also talk about self-isolation, where that comes from. And this is all based on some correspondence I I got at some point this year. And uh, also, I want to tell you a story, and I'm going to try to be as classy as I can be about it. Uh, but one that I think that most people will enjoy. But before I get into all that, I need to tell you about thelastsymptom.com. That, of course, is my website full of free resources, and there are some paid resources. It's the paid resources and also donations that allow me to to do the work that I do. The paid services that I offer over there at thelastsymptom.com are one-on-one phone and Zoom conversations. But I also have something I'm very excited about. It's called the Last Symptom Fundamentals Course. It's a pre-recorded, intensive, two-week online video course uh, with a video presentation. It's superior informatively than any other programs out there like it, like uh, DBT. You know, I consider the Last Symptom Fundamentals Course a a superior replacement to things like DBT. So if you're interested in that, you can find that in the paid services tab over at thelastsymptom.com. Now, I wanted to tell you that very soon I will be offering a new pre-recorded online course, which I call the Last Symptom Friends and Family pre-recorded online course. And this is for it's designed specifically for people who care about somebody with an emotional disorder. What's the best way for you folks to uh, manage that sort of situation and to deal with those persons? And, of course, you know me. The real focus will be on you yourself. Uh, what is it about you yourself that might need to be tweaked and worked on? So be looking forward to that appearing on the LastSymptom.com website pretty soon. Of course, I'll make an announcement about it here on on the show. The Last Symptom community on the Locals platform is growing and growing. And uh, so I want to invite you to join me there. 
Locals has an app. You can just download the Locals app and look for the Last Symptom community there. Another way you can take advantage of the Last Symptom community on Locals is by going to thelastsymptom.locals.com. This is not your typical Facebook-type platform. This is a first-class type of community where I've been able to recently begin offering some premier content. You say, well, what is premier content? Well, for one, because of the nature of the Locals platform, I'm able to share things that I wouldn't be able to share on Facebook. Things such as, you know, photographs and those sorts of things that are more personal to me and uh, that I don't have to edit out. So I invite you to join me there, the Last Symptom community on Locals. And I also want to tell you about this uh, new thing that I've started this week, which I call daily orange slices and except for the first one which went about 15 minutes just because I was kind of introducing the idea the daily orange slices are short lessons insights and conversations that are about five minutes in length and we're now on orange slice number five I'll be doing number six today and the topics that I have addressed each day so far have been nice and varied. For example, on one I talked about taking cues from our environment. Uh, In another one I talked about judgment. In another one I addressed stress. And yesterday I talked about the law of diminishing returns, something that uh, a lot of people in my experience think they know, but uh, in my experience also uh, most people don't truly understand what the law of diminishing returns is even though they believe they do so I kind of explained it to them the way I had it explained to me in a really nice and effective way and uh, so the daily orange slice is something you're missing out on if you're not on the locals platform with me in the last symptom community because these orange slices are exclusive to the locals platform I'm only publishing them there and so that's a nice incentive for those who would like to take advantage of this free resource to go ahead and join the last symptom community on locals you don't have to be a paid supporter there in order to view these brief but valuable videos Uh, you only have to be a subscriber and a subscriber to any community on locals is completely free you're just subscribed to the community and and following it so like i say locals gives me the uh, opportunity to post more personal stuff of a more private nature and to really uh, put myself out there just a little bit more. The Last Symptom community on the Locals platform has grown quickly. It's uh, We're at about 100 members now after only about three weeks. So a lot of people are, are enjoying it. And a lot of people enjoy that it's got no connection to Facebook. You know, their, fr- you know, their friends and family aren't uh, connected there with them, so they've got the privacy of that. And it's just a nice experience. You know, like anything new, there is a breaking in period where you, you're kind of like, oh, I'm not sure I like this. Because it's new, you're not familiar with it. Um, it's a brand new way of doing things. But I'll tell you, I really enjoy it. And I'm a lot of people clearly are enjoying it as well. So Locals, the last symptom community on the Locals platform, is a new, brand new first class service that I have started. But... 
If you're looking for my replacement to the old Facebook education group, that's now located on the MeWe platform. MeWe is just a superior alternative to Facebook. So to find the last symptom on MeWe, you go into the groups section of the site and you type in the last symptom by Brian Barnett. And that is open for everybody to join. While we're talking about all these things, let me tell you about the, the official YouTube channel, the, the Last Symptom official YouTube channel. It is right on the cusp of 1,000 subscribers. That's up by 500 subscribers just since the middle of last year. So if you'd like to help me cross that 1,000 subscriber mark, please consider subscribing to the official The Last Symptom channel on YouTube. Well, I tried to keep that as brief as possible so that uh, I wouldn't bore you to death. But let's get back into this story that I wanted to tell you. You know, of course, last week I told the story about the China Buffet restaurant and my diarrhea experience uh, there. So you're probably going to say, well, he's getting hung up on the poop stories. But I promise I will keep poop stories to a minimum. But this one is one that you've got to hear. <laughs> and I've been carrying it around for a while and looking for the right time to pull it out. Now, so here we are. Now's the time. When I was uh, a teenager, the very first official job that I had, I'm talking about a, a daily job and collecting a weekly paycheck, was for a monument company. Now, I had done lots of uh, carpentry work and I had done uh, building work renovations on houses and those sorts of uh, blue-collar jobs before but this was the first job that I had that was like a nine-to-five and uh, you know I collected a weekly regular weekly paycheck where I was on a payroll a monument company is a place where they they sell the tombstone and they put artwork on the tombstone as well as names and dates and those sorts of things that was the first job that I had and the reason I got hired there was for my artistic skill. The feller there, his name was Daryl. That was my boss. And I need to tell you about him in more detail someday. Uh, everybody called him Mouse. And he talked, he was the slowest talker I've ever met in my life. I remember almost every day, about lunchtime, he would walk over to the front door and tip back his ball cap and he'd say, and I'm, you're going to think I'm exaggerating this. That I'm, this isn't an, an exaggeration. He would say, Well, I reckon I uh, going to go get myself a, a sandwich and you you know you'd be listening to him talk and you'd just be like spit it out already spit it out because you you're killing me here i need to know what the next word is but that's how he would talk so that he was my boss and i worked for him for uh, many years uh, when i say many probably 6 years in all but he was friends with the director of the local cemetery and the director of the local cemetery, his name was Sam. And Sam was an older guy, 
probably in his mid-60s, close to 70. He might have been in his 70s. And every day at 4 o'clock, the cemetery office would close, but we at the monument company were open until 5. So Sam would come by the monument company. He was buddies with my boss, Daryl. And so Sam, or Mouse, whatever you want to call him. So Sam would come by to see Mouse every day after he closed up the cemetery office at 4 o'clock. So right around 4.05, 4.10, Sam would come walking in to the mon- monument company. And he and Mouse would go back into the back part of the monument company, back where we did all the work. So we had a display area out front. But in the back was where we did all the work, all the sandblasting and that sort of thing. And Sam and Mouse would go into the back and drink beer in that period between 4 and 5 o'clock. And they would naturally relate tall tales and talk about people and talk about their their adventures and stuff. And it was just a lot of fun. And we didn't usually have a lot of customers coming in around that time. So I'd get to go back there as a you know young teenager. I was 17, 17 and 18. And I'd go back there. And, of course, I, they wouldn't let me drink any beer. But I would listen to the stories. And one time, Sam told this story that I, made me laugh so hard, I thought I was going to die. It was just the funniest thing I'd ever heard up to that point in my life. And the fact that Sam was the one telling it just made it all that much better. Oh, another detail I forgot to tell you about Sam. He always carried a glove. <laughs> one glove. I actually just remembered this just now as I was going back in my memory to tell this story. He always carried one glove uh, year-round. And so the reason why he did was so that when he come in to spend that hour of the day with a mouse and tell stories and talk and stuff, he could pull that glove out and he would hold his beer <laughs> in that gloved hand <laughs> so that his uh, hand wouldn't get cold because they would keep this beer in a cooler. So you would see him walking around with one glove on his hand holding that beer, telling his stories. <laughs> oh, brother, I kind of miss those days. One day, Sam tells this story. It just cracks me up. Uh, he said he had a buddy. <laughs> and how we got on this topic, who knows? This is just boy talk, right? So imagine you got this uh, guy who's probably in his late 60s, early 70s telling this story about when he was in college and in college he had a college buddy and he said this college buddy of his had the largest bowel movements of anybody he he had ever met in his life and he said it would it was just crazy how big these this guy's bowel movements were he wasn't going around looking at it, but it would plug everything up. So everywhere this guy went, he plugged up the plumbing. <laughs> yeah, he says that the uh, the first time he saw it, he thought that's just not humanly possible. It's not humanly possible that my buddy can <laughs> have this coming out of him. But he sure did. And they both went to a party one time, a big college party, and they were all in this house. 
everybody drinking, everybody partying, all everybody having a good time. And there was a huge line for the bathroom because there was only one bathroom and, you know, a hundred people at, at this house, at this party. So his friend had gotten the urge to go and had gone, stood through the line, got in there. And of course, just had this <laughs> epic bowel movement. And he was so embarrassed waiting outside the bathroom or just this endless line of people waiting to get in there and he's so embarrassed it won't flush so he, he he's trying to figure out what to do about this he doesn't want anybody seeing this so he peeks his head out the door and he tells the person the next person in line he says do me a favor and go get Sam so the person says oh yeah, whatever so he goes and gets Sam brings Sam in there he says Sam come, come into the bathroom with me Sam says, I'm not going in the bathroom with you. No, no, you, come on, Sam. you got to do me a favor. Please come in here. So Sam squeezes into the bathroom. They shut the door. <laughs> They've still got this, <laughs> this mile-long line right outside the door, people, like, waiting to get in there. And so Sam gets into the bathroom, and the guy says, Sam, you you got to help me out. you got to go outside, and you got to get a stick out of the woods and you got to bring that in here so I can use it to break this thing up and, and so the toilet will flush. Sam says, I, I ain't going outside and getting you a stick. <laughs> and, and the guy is panicking. No, Sam, you got to help me. You can't leave me just like this on my own. And Sam says, I'm, I'm not going out there to go get you a stick so that you can break up your poop. So the guy says, well, I'll, t I'll tell you what, he says. Please, you just stay here. Don't let anybody into the bathroom, and I'll go get the stick myself. <laughs> just don't let anybody in here. Please, Sam, don't. Sam says, I'll, I'll do that. So the guy goes out to get a stick, <laughs> and Sam opens the door wide open. <laughs> He says, hey, everybody, <laughs> you got to check this out. Look at this thing. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> so... <laughs> Can you imagine this guy's reaction? <laughs> when he walks back in carrying this stick and the bathroom's just loaded full of these people who want to see this freak of nature in the toilet. Oh, boy, goodness gracious. I laugh so hard about that. And every time I think about that today, I still laugh myself to death. Oh, boy. All right. So just like last week, we're going to try to... <laughs> pull 180 here and uh, completely switch gears <clears throat> let's talk about today's uh, topic uh, feelings matter self self isolation <laughs> oh goodness gracious oh. <clears throat> well as you know we have talked <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
okay getting serious getting serious as you know you and I have had many conversations about how your feelings always matter now you know maybe you've wondered how can that be what if what if I'm feeling something that seems contrary to the circumstances I'm in well your feelings still matter they still need to be explored they still need to be in, uh, investigated. You've got to try to figure out what they're trying to tell you because feelings are just information, and all information matters. That's why your feelings always matter. I- imagine it like uh, somebody tapping you on the shoulder. That tap on the shoulder does matter. It doesn't matter what the tap on the shoulder is for. It does matter. Your feelings are like a tap on the shoulder. They're trying to tell you something. They're trying to get your attention and tell you something. So imagine getting tapped on the shoulder and you just refusing to turn around and see where that tap on the shoulder is coming from and why. You, you would never do that, would you? You'd never say, well, I don't even need to know what that tap is about. I'm just going to ignore it. It matters. <laughs> Again, it doesn't matter what the tap is for. The tap on the shoulder does matter. You have to turn around and investigate it, right? Now, not everybody will see value in our feelings. Just because you feel something doesn't mean that everybody's going to see value in your feelings. There are a lot of unhealthy people who don't view feelings appropriately. But just because some people may not see value in your feelings doesn't mean that your feelings don't matter you see the value of our feelings is something inherent to our feelings so feelings inherently matter they always matter just like all information inherently matters the tap on the shoulder has to be investigated you got to figure out what what it's for why it's why is it happening by whom what's the purpose of it those are your feelings they inherently matter in the sense that when I feel something that's information that has to be explored I have to figure out what my feelings are trying to tell me about my needs uh, emotional physical mental spiritual because our feelings are inherent they have inherent value what that means is that nobody has to agree with them or to like them or to value them first in order for them to have value they just always matter regardless of if anybody ever agrees with them likes them or values them and that includes yourself by the way even if you yourself don't value your own feelings and you know if you have an emotional disorder like borderline personality disorder the reality is that you don't value your feelings now you do allow them to control your life and make almost all of your decisions and arrive at conclusions for you but that is not the same as saying that you truly value them instead you subconsciously or unconsciously perceive your feelings as a shameful part of what makes you who you are but 
Even if you yourself don't value your own feelings, your feelings still simply matter. See, their value is an inherent aspect of just what feelings are. Do you know what it means when other individuals don't perceive value in the feelings of another person? What that means is that they don't perceive any inherent value in their own feelings either. Do you see that? So you reverse it and it's just as true. Those who don't perceive inherent value in their own feelings also are not looking out at the world and perceiving inherent value in the feelings of other people. So how do you see that manifest? Well, the way you see it manifest is that they care about other people's feelings only insofar as much as those feelings make sense to them. <laughs> so in other words, your feelings only matter to me if I feel like the the feelings that you're currently experiencing make sense to me given, the, given these circumstances. If they don't make sense to me in these circumstances, I disregard your feelings as being unimportant. But are they unimportant? They're never unimportant. Just because you don't understand why I'm feeling what I'm feeling does not change the fact that I'm really feeling that. And so that information still has to be explored, doesn't it? So, when you encounter those who place no value on your feelings, remind yourself of why that is. The reason why they don't is because they don't even value their own feelings appropriately as being inherently relevant or important. So they'll even these folks will even find themselves in situations where their their own feelings don't make sense to them. And so they deny that they're even feeling that at all. Very unhealthy. It's like the tap on the shoulder that you just ignore. You don't even know who's tapping you. You don't know why they're tapping you on the shoulder and you don't want anything to do with it anyway. <laughs> You're going to pretend like it's not even happening. So, isn't that enlightening? Yes, folks like this may be powerfully controlled and manipulated by their feelings. And yes, their feelings may be the cause of all of their behaviors and decisions and selfishness, but not consciously. You see, unconsciously, their feelings that are they view their feelings as just an inconvenience, an irrelevant aspect of their lives, a shameful aspect of who and what they are. And uh, they believe that they themselves are in charge of all the decisions that they make in their life, and that their feelings are just this abstract sensation happening in the background. And that's not the reality. The reality is that their feelings really are making all the decisions. Their feelings are really the, the thing affecting their perceptions about everything, affecting their uh, decision-making process, affecting their behaviors, rather than they themselves being in control like they believe themselves to be. If you start asking folks like this questions to get to the heart of what it is they are truly feeling, they'll deflect They'll crack jokes. They'll turn angry and attack you. It's like they become cornered animals. 
wanting only to get out of the uncomfortable situation, you see, because anything that's shameful, anything that we perceive shameful about ourselves, uh, we don't like it when people go there. You know, you're self-conscious and sensitive about uh, a freckle you've got on your butt cheek. Uh, you, you're not going to take too kindly to somebody saying, here, let me see that freckle. I, I, I heard you've got a freckle on your butt cheek. I'd like to see it. Let's talk about that freckle. No, 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 no. You see, that's uh, that's uh, cutting into the quick there. A personal turn, angry, desperate, panic, and that's uh, that's what happens to people. You'll see it when you when you go to talk about their feelings, something that they see view as shameful. Yeah, they they get panicky. They get uh, angry. Uh, it makes them very uncomfortable. I know because I I used to be that guy. It's important to recognize the meaning of inherent when we talk about your feelings inherently mattering. They matter all the time, no matter what. So whether our parents ever truly valued our feelings or not is not relevant. Our feelings still mattered. Our, Our parents were just ignoramuses who did not perceive their own feelings as important as well, I should say, as inherently important. So how could they view our feelings as inherently important or anybody else's feelings as inherently important for that matter? Let me say this about revealing our authentic feelings to others. As you folks are going through the authentic recovery process, you may be wondering, do I have to, you know, if I'm going to uh, be completely comfortable with my feelings, does that mean sharing my authentic feelings with everybody around me? Well, healthy people don't do that. Healthy people don't go around openly sharing all of their authentic feelings with everybody around them. And why not? If feelings are never shameful, why do healthy people reserve some feelings to themselves as private? It's because allowing full open access to our authentic feelings is intimacy intimacy healthfully others have to earn the privilege of intimacy before we just give it to them and also not everybody deserves or even wants intimacy from us you see anybody who has an inappropriate view of feelings the nature of feelings that you start getting intimate with that's going to make them uncomfortable, right? Because they view feelings as shameful. So, you know, that just makes a memory jump into my mind. My mom used to love singing karaoke. And I distinctly remember whenever she would start singing on karaoke and start getting into it and begin emoting. You know, it's like seeing the, the emotion on her face and stuff and, and in her singing man that'd make me uncomfortable I just wanted out of there and I actually felt like deep embarrassment for her but that was because I had borderline personality disorder I had an inappropriate view of feelings they made me uncomfortable I thought that I I perceived them as a shameful thing about people also I kind of lived with the idea that people display emotions and use emotions to manipulate others. So anytime somebody would get emotional around me, I would feel like 
this isn't real. This is this is an act. I'm, I'm, they're they're abusing their feelings here to try to manipulate me. So again, just in many ways, I had a totally unhealthy view of the very nature of feelings. But let's go back to the intimacy thing. Not everybody deserves or even wants intimacy from us. So basically, if I'm feeling deeply saddened because of a bunch of problems in my life, and the clerk at the gas station casually says, Hey, buddy, how are you? And I use this as an invitation to dump all of my life's deepest concerns on him. You can see how this is not appropriate. He and I don't know each other. My revealing all of my authentic feelings to a total stranger who is not really inviting me to do such a thing is not healthy. If you think about it, it's sort of a violation against that clerk because I'm forcing intimacy upon him whether he wants it or not. No, the appropriate thing to do is to observe proper social etiquette give an honest answer in line with the reality of the nature of the relationship or lack of relationship that we have with any given individual. So with the gas clerk, for example, an appropriate answer would be something like, oh, you know, I've, uh, I've had better days, but that's life, right? And he'd say, yeah, that's life, buddy. You hang in there. You know, it's, I'm not going into all the dirty details. I'm not getting truly intimate with the person. I'm reserving that for people that are safe, that I trust, who have earned that right to be intimate with me. Being emotionally healthy means being self-sufficient. Being self-sufficient does not mean that we can conjure all of our needs out of thin air. But it does mean we can provide our own sympathy and empathy, compassion, patience, care, forgiveness, acceptance to ourselves. That's being independent, self-sufficient. And this is one of our primary responsibilities, uh, in fact, to be our own primary caretakers. When we're adult-free agents... Nobody else is responsible for providing these things for us. We are responsible, first and foremost, for providing it for ourselves. We don't need others to do it for us. But you see that unhealthy people, by contrast, see other people as being primarily responsible for these things. That's why you get passive-aggressive communication behavior styles out of these sorts of people. So, for example... A woman who wants roses uh, on Valentine's Day says, well, I'm not going to tell him I want roses because if I have to tell him I want roses, then the roses don't carry as much value. So she passive-aggressively tries to drop hints there and here and there. If she doesn't get the roses, she clams up, self-isolates in another room, won't talk. And why is this? Because on some level she perceives the boyfriend or the husband as being responsible for her. As being the one who is responsible for knowing, paying attention to, and in meeting her needs. 
but healthy people don't view life and themselves that way they view themselves as being the primary person responsible for getting their own needs met what would that look like what that would look like is the woman going to her boyfriend or her husband and saying honey what I would like for Valentine's Day are roses isn't that so simple the roses don't value, don't have less value because she's being calm assertive about getting her needs met it's an example of this woman recognizing that she is primarily responsible for getting her needs met and also that people aren't mind readers so nobody knows what she's feeling or thinking and of standing up and getting those needs met being emotionally healthy means being self-sufficient number two we can provide our own intimacy to ourselves first have you ever thought about that probably not you've probably thought man if I need intimacy um, then I'm dependent on other people for that I gotta get it from other people you you can but only second in in importance primary importance is providing your own intimacy to yourself first and there will be times when you'll want intimacy of other people too but um, if you're not providing your own intimacy to yourself then necessarily what that means is that you're trying to get it everywhere but there and so you're neglecting your primary need and your primary responsibility to yourself number three when we need intimacy with others we can evaluate who is deserving and trustworthy and then we can cultivate an intimate relationship with those we choose you see we get to choose now this may take time but we can choose to proactively invest that time and to create that system of resources for ourselves of people we can be intimate with in the times where we feel like we need it number four we have now provided ourselves with that trusted resource that we were just talking about so that from now on when we're experiencing the need for intimacy with others we can call them on the phone we can ask them to go out for a drink or we can ask them to take a walk or ask them to come over and sit with us and talk you see how we, we have we have proactively provided for our own need in this way we're not dependent on other people we're providing it reactively proactively uh, setting that up for ourselves creating that system in place number five so we haven't conjured anything out of thin air nor have we unreasonably expected that we can be all that we need in and of ourselves for ourselves all of the time but we are entirely self-sufficient in the sense that we ourselves are attentive to what our needs are and we ourselves have taken responsibility for setting up and fulfilling those needs so that they are met now um, when some folks have trouble doing these sorts of things and they kind of get disillusioned and critical uh, you know they get let down they feel by other people um, they feel like other people have betrayed them so many times betrayed their trust betrayed their intimacy so many times they say you know what? I just don't care what anybody else thinks and then that person becomes socially withdrawn 
Well, you might think that becoming socially withdrawn comes from genuinely not caring whether others value your feelings or not. But, you know, there's some irony in that because the only reason a person becomes socially withdrawn is when he or she does care what others' opinions are and is, and they're afraid of being hurt. So avoidance is not the same as truly not caring. You know, personally, as a healthy person myself, I do care what others think of me. I, I want my feelings to matter to others, and I want to be liked and admired and valued. But here's the most important detail. I don't need for people to like me in order for me to like myself first. I don't need my feelings to matter to others in order for me to view my own feelings as something that inherently matter. I don't need others to like and value me in order for me to first like and value myself. My conclusions about these things, my evaluation of the value of my feelings, the value of myself as a person, are not dependent on what other people think or on whether they value these things first. You see? What, what about people who say that I can't care? Well, I just can't care. I can't care if people value my feelings or not. I just can't. Well, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to follow that, that thought out to its end. The, the full thought is this. I can't care because I can't take that risk. You see, I don't want the disappointment and the hurt. But a person talking like that does still care, in an unhealthy way, what others think. You see, they're still evaluating themselves based on external influences, such as what other people's opinions or views are. So this means that they haven't yet truly learned to perceive the value of their feelings and their own value correctly as being inherent. Their value is an inherent aspect of these things. Doesn't depend on what other people think or on what other people value. So do you see that as soon as you're able to do this, as soon as you're able to perceive your feelings, the value of your feelings and your own value as inherent in nature, do you see how that frees you? You will be free. Other people's views and opinions, to the contrary, can't have any effect whatsoever on what one perceives, on what one truly perceives, is an inherent aspect uh, or truth. You know, gravity isn't only real because my next door neighbor believes it's real. <laughs> it's real no matter what he believes. That's the truth about the value of your feelings and your own value too. It doesn't matter what anybody thinks or believes or what attitudes they walk around with. It doesn't matter if the entire world shares the same misperceptions and unhealthy attitudes. If the attitude that the entire world shares is that your feelings don't have inherent value and that you yourself don't have inherent value, 
this this does not change the reality that you just do matter and so do your feelings once you achieve this adjustment in your perception you will be free <laughs> you won't care what others think in the sense that it just doesn't matter what anybody thinks as far as what the reality just is but you will healthfully care in the sense that it's nice when others value us another interesting healthy naturally resulting consequence and this adjustment to your perception will be that whoever does value your feelings and, and truly does value you as a person, not as a possession, not as an inanimate object, but as a person, whoever does value you appropriately this way will be the only relevant people in your life. It, nobody else will be relevant as far as how you perceive things. Right, because you'll understand that they exist in ignorance and unhealth. Therefore, their opinions of things, like your worth and your feelings worth, are utterly irrelevant. You know, I, I don't place value on what somebody who has never been to Spain thinks about what it's like to live in Spain, do I? And why not? Because without ever having lived in Spain, their opinion about what it's like to live in Spain is totally irrelevant. So it's the same with my feelings. Anybody who lives with the attitudes that uh, my feelings are shameful, that person's unhealthy because they don't even slightly comprehend the true nature of feelings. So why on earth would their opinion about my feelings have any effect on me? It wouldn't and it doesn't. You know, the same with walking into a room full of people. It would be nice if I walked into applause <laughs> in every room full of people that I visit. But I don't evaluate my worth on such a thing. If there are people in that crowd who are thinking critically of me, their attitudes and opinions simply aren't relevant at all. Nobody's opinion is relevant whatsoever as far as what my value as a person just is and how I perceive it. Do you see how it, this calibration in your thinking frees you? It frees you from slavery to uh, living according to what you imagine other people think, how they feel about things, and so forth. Uh, and it doesn't cause you to self-isolate. It has the opposite effect. Do you see that? It, it allows you to freely go out and interact with the world because none of the myriads of opinions and thoughts out there have any bearing whatsoever on your own perceptions of what your inherent value as a person simply is and the value of your feelings simply is. So, there's our discussion. I'm sorry I got the show out a day late today, but because I've started this new video series and because I had many other obligations, uh, I was just stretched pretty thin. So be sure to join the Last Symptom community on the Locals platform and begin enjoying these daily orange slices, which are brief, oh, about five minute in length videos of insights, small conversations, and brief suggestions for you in your work to authentically recover from emotional disorder or to deal with those who uh, have emotional disorders, you know, those you care about, 
and uh, this is going to become hopefully a regular aspect of my work that many people uh, benefit from. Folks, you have a wonderful weekend, and as always, thanks for being here and putting up with me. I appreciate it. I'll see you back here next week. Mm-hmm.